Good evening, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. To those who don't know me, my name is Sam, and uh, I'm married to that beautiful wife, Stacy. Can we just bow our head and just pray for a minute? Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we're here in this place to hear your voice. And Father, we know you have good things to say to us. And we know, Lord, we're going to leave this place different people with different perspective, with different worldview. Father, we just want to see things the way you see them. We just want to see people the way you see them. We just want to hear things the way you hear them. And we know, Lord, that we live in a world that there are so many things that are happening around us. And sometimes we become distracted by those things. And as a result, we find ourselves in a space where we wonder if it's you or not. I pray, Lord, that this evening we may live with no wonder. We may live with no doubt. We may live with no fear. But just boldness to go out and proclaim your goodness. That's what we want to hear, Lord, this evening, how we do that. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word as guidance and your spirit as the leader. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you open your Bible to the book of Luke? Luke chapter 10. I know Richard has been going through the book of Luke and probably most of us here have been following that devotional reading of the book of Luke. And uh, chapter 10 was one of my favorite parts, which I find it more interesting, and we're going to find out more about it. But my whole agenda this evening is to really, really encourage us, and uh, particularly around the world that we're more familiar with, which is discipleship. And not only discipleship, but my main, my main, if you want to get my main point of what is it that Sam was saying tonight is this, is that we are messengers on a mission with a message and a motivation. And motivation are very important for us to engage in mission. And message is one of the main things that drive us to share because it's something that we have experienced ourselves. So that's what I want us to remind us. And I'm going to speak more rather than on discipleship. I want to focus on the word that we don't often hear, which is messenger. What does it, that actually mean for us? Who are messengers? What do messengers have? So that's what we're going to be unpacking 
when we read. I'm going to read just a couple of few verses in this chapter 10 and then we're going to unpack some of those things and actually see where do we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, we're going to stop at verse 3, and then we're going to go straight to verse 9, and then from there we're going to go to 16, and then 17 to 20. So, verse 1, chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into, the, into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lamb in the midst of wolves. Then we go to chapter, verse 9. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Then we jump straight to verse 16. <coughs> the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Then we're going to go to verse 17 to 20. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan falling like a lightning from heaven. And behold, I have given you authority to trade on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name, your names are written in heaven. Luke is a very interesting writer when you're looking at, at the gospel. Um, in the first few chapters, from chapter 1 to chapter 9, you would have noticed there is a shift in terms of the theme of what Luke is actually trying to address. Now, Luke's primary agenda from chapter 1 to chapter 9 is concerning who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? So that's what is he unpacking. That's what he's trying to prove, that Jesus is the Son of God. And when you notice from chapter 9 to chapter 10, you see a shift of now that we know who Jesus is, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, how then should we live? How then should we conduct ourselves if Jesus is the Son of God? And we hear, we see in chapter 9, he first sent out 12 disciples. And then in chapter 10, he sent out 72. We're going to go back uh, and see the significance of that. But the general question around these two chapters, when it's 9 and 10, are more concerned of 
How as believers, now that we believe in Jesus Christ, how should we, what should we do about that? How should we live? And the general answer is that we should be disciples. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is the follower of Jesus Christ. But in this chapter, we see that a disciple are messengers. Disciples are messengers. We're not just experiencing following Jesus for the sake of how he was popular, he preached or he cast a demon and therefore we're following him. It's not just that. But in this chapter we see that disciples are also messengers. They are the ones who are also doing the same thing that Jesus has been doing. They are the ones who go out into the world and Jesus is trying to demonstrate that the disciples are not just followers, but they are messengers. So, every disciple of Jesus Christ is given a message to publicly communicate and urge everyone to believe it. Now, in this text, there are three things Jesus gives his messenger. Number one is the mission. And number two is the message. And number three is the motivation. So, this evening, we're going to look at the mission, the message, and the motivation. What is actually is the mission that Jesus is giving? In chapter 9, Jesus, as I said, as I mentioned, he calls the 12. And then here we see in verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72. That must be very significant looking at he just recently sent the 12. And now he's sending 72. What's the significance of that number? Now, if you dig deeper or read more, you will realize that in the Greek text, back in the Old Testament, what they call the Septuagint, they, in Genesis chapter 10, they have what we call table of the nation, where they are listed all the nation before, in that chapter, all the nation of the world, and they were all 72 nations. And this is Jesus' way of saying discipleship is not just for the chosen apostle, but it is also for all of us. And that's the significance of him, of Luke recording this number. Because he just, it's easy. I would say, oh, Jesus, you just sent the 12. So if we stop from chapter 9 and don't go to chapter 10, we're going to miss the whole point of what is God is actually doing. We're going to say, it's easy to say, uh, mission is not for me, it's for pastors. So therefore, I will just come to church and tithe and then make sure I come every Sunday and see what are they doing right and what they're doing wrong and send an email to them and tell them, Ed, Probably this is too loud. Uh, probably change the way you... Because I'm entitled. I, I tied, so I paid you to make sure everything runs the way it is. Absolutely. And I just read chapter 9, so it's just... It's for you. That's your mission. I'm helping you, Richard, to be part of this mission. <laughs> <laughs> but the point Jesus is making here is that it's not just... For apostles, but it is for everyone. That's why he sent 72. And we may not hear a lot about this 72, but it is very significant that after sending the 12, he sends the other 72. 
which clearly tells us that we are all called to engage in God's mission. We are all called to be part of God's mission. And when Jesus is called, this is what I've seen. This is the picture I've seen, which I find it quite interesting. It's interesting that when Jesus calls us, he calls us to himself. Not just so that we can enjoy his presence, but he immediately sends us out into the world. So that other people can also come and enjoy his presence. So being a Christian is not just about coming to church. It's actually going out there and proclaiming the good news of God, especially what God has done in your life. If we reduce Christianity to coming to church and listening to music, we're going to miss out a lot on what God is actually doing out there. And then when we read newspaper, we're going to be afraid because we're not part of what God is actually doing one day. This is just our hiding space of like, just forgetting what the world is like for a minute or for an hour. But when we go out there, we're afraid. But we come to church so that to just get motivated to give testimony and see this week, this is what God was doing. This is what God has been up to. And therefore encouraging everyone to just be part of what God is doing out there. So we are all called into mission. And there are three things Jesus tells his disciples to do. Number one, heal the sick, cast out demons, and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, what does it mean to heal the sick? To heal the sick, it actually means to bind or bring, restore back the function that was broken. Restoring back that which is broken. And because if there is something that is broken, if there is someone that is not feeling well, that person cannot function, cannot do anything completely. Yes, they can try to do something, but they cannot do it to its fullest function. So when Jesus is calling us to heal the sick, he says, actually restore back to what it, the body where it, it actually supposed to be. So it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be comfortable to see people that are limping as Christians when we know the power that is in us. And the command that Jesus Christ has given us. So we shouldn't be comfortable when we hear someone is hungry. When we know the Father who gives us bread. So we shouldn't be comfortable when we see there are people who are blind. When we all have eyes to see. And we can lead them into a good direction. And then, cast out demons. Casting out demons actually means setting, liberating people, soul to what is actually enslaving them. There are so many people out there who are enslaved by different kinds of things and they need to be set free. And if we would all understood the significance of being part of God's mission, we will know that it is not okay to be enslaved of anything. Yeah. 
And therefore, if anyone we see, we will not even question, are you sure you're really enslaved of this? We will immediately cast out that demon that enslaving that person. And it's all about understanding the power that is within you. And proclaim the truth. Proclaim the kingdom of God. It basically means speaking the truth. And we know that we live in a world that has a lot of opinions, a lot of things to say. But if you look closely, there's, sometimes there's so many lies in that which appears to be so true. And therefore, it is very important for us as the children of God to be able to discern whether is this of God or is this not of God. Because if we cannot discern if this is of God or not of God, we will be confused. And when we're confused, we tend to do things without thinking. And we tend to be led astray by all different kinds of opinions. So that's what Jesus called. And basically all this, what I found interesting is that Jesus never calls us to something that he has not done himself. This basically means I have shown you how to do this and therefore you can do it. Because yeah, we know he has power to do everything but it is a privilege that he invites us to partake in what he is doing. It's not just like I'm doing you a favor, guys, but he can do everything by himself, but he chose not. And that should move us from our seats, from our comforts, and go out there and be like, God, do something through me. Do something that is impossible through me. Use me. I'm yours. Number two, not only does Jesus give his messengers a, mess, a mission, he also gives them a message. If you notice in verse In verse 9, he told them to heal the sick and say to them, you see, this is a message, say to them. You don't just heal them and close your mouth, but say to them, the kingdom of God is near. So that people, when they see something happen to them, they don't wonder, are you a Sangoma or what? <laughs> we live in South Africa, so people attributed a lot of miracles to different things, especially in the context where sometimes I walk in. You will tell people prophetic words and tell them their story, and then they think you are a nyanga or some sort of traditional healer because that's their line of spirituality. So it's better to be specific and tell, heal them, give them. And, but when they ask, who are you? The kingdom of God is near. This is not just me, but this is God 
who has done this and this and this and this for you. And this is what he, this, this is a sign of his love for you. And then that's, with that person, he will go back saying, wow, I have encountered God. Not that I have encountered this nyanga, therefore I'm going to tell my ancestors or all my family that we need to go there for cleansing and all the other ceremonies because that person knows me. He just told me everything about myself. But the fact, with that kind of religion, they tell you everything about themselves, but they do not point you to the Savior. The only place they point you is that uh, you have this problem, you have this problem, you have this problem. Who can solve that problem? Well, you need to come to my place and then I will do some few things. And then it's only they point you to themselves as the Savior, not to Jesus. So that is why Christian is so unique in its how it conducts itself and how it engages with people is that we don't just point people to ourselves. We point people to the one who really made them and loved them and created them and shaped them for what they were supposed to do in this world. So that is why it is so important for us that we understand our message. Now, maybe you may ask the question, Sam, I don't understand clearly the message. Well, you have a story to tell. No one is here by mistake. No one believes God because you just happen to be told to believe in God. And then you decide, oh, maybe it's a good plan. But you have probably have experienced something that you've never experienced before. You probably have felt being loved the way you've never been loved before by someone else. And therefore, if that doesn't move you to tell someone else about what it means to be loved and to be forgiven, when you know you have done something, you, you deserve, you should have died in that accident or you should have died in that hospital, but God sent just a small boy to come and lay hand on you and you were healed. Our life is our message about what God is doing in our life and what God can do in other people's life. Because when God speak, when we look at the kingdom of God, God came to just declare this, this is what is happening in the kingdom of God. He gave his testimony. He gave his story. He gave, he gave his life so that we can have life. He gave himself. So that is part of what kingdom is about. He didn't just, uh, I'm just going to give that part of my life. And he gave himself so that others can really come and enjoy and see. So the only thing that, that our message is ourself. If maybe you say, uh, do I have to go to Bible school for this? No, you don't. You don't have to know all the verses in the Bible. You don't have to know all the systematic whatever they will tell you. You don't have to know all that thing. All you have to know is how much Jesus loves you and how much he loves that other person. And that's the message. And it's not just a 
we say it, but we actually also demonstrate that message. Because it's no point telling people Jesus loves you and then immediately they'll be like, all right, he loves me. But if you don't say, yeah, can I pray for you? You're taking a step further. You mean praying for someone means I actually care about you. I'm not just concerned about hey, telling you my message, how much Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, but actually it's more than just love. It's actually relationship that is our agenda. I'm not just looking. You are not a mission field for me to fulfill my mission, but you are my brother who will be in the kingdom. Because sometimes when we treat places and people as mission field, then we're saying mission field is just a part-time job that we do when we have time, that we have a calendar, but mission is our daily life. Wherever we are at home, we're on mission. To your wife, you're on a mission. (laughs) To your family, you're on a mission. And how we conduct ourselves sometimes is the message. We may not say anything, but the way we conduct ourselves around the environment of the people we love speaks louder than what we say. So that is why most of the time that our message should be accompanied by action, not just words without action. There should be a balance. That's what I'm I'm actually trying to say, because Jesus, actually, this is what Jesus told them. Go heal the sick. And he wouldn't tell them to do something that he, he has not empowered them to do. The fact that he tells them to do that, it means he has empowered them. So there's no question of like, uh, how am I going to do this? Do I just lay my legs or my... <laughs> Do I heed them or how am I going to do this? Just, I have empowered you. It's like being in an army. One one of the men on Friday shared um, a testimony of what it actually means to be in in an army where you have everything that you need for the fight, for the battle. So everything that you need is there. You don't stress about whether you're going to have enough guns. You don't stress about whether you're going to eat, you're going to have enough food. You don't stress about what if I'm hurt, who's going to take care of me? Because why? Everything is provided for you. When, you, when, you, when there's something wrong with you, you go to different station and say, I have this Sony, and someone will take care of that immediately. And that's the picture of the kingdom of God. That is like an army camp where you have everything that you need. There is no lack. Therefore, even if when the enemy tries to come and attack that camp, it's impossible because these people are unified and they have everything that they need. All the equipment that they need. And we too here at Hillside, we have everything that we need. And I want to beg us to just 
Let's not look at the numbers, but look at everything that we have. I remember there was a story in the Bible that says David was given, I don't know who was told in the Bible, do not count the, <laughs> this, the don't do the census. And then immediately, like, because you're going to go into the battle, I forgot the story. But, and then he immediately go and counted. And counting was a sign of that he don't trust me. That I'm, I'm going to actually give you victory over this enemy. So as a result, you're going to check if we're going to need more numbers to really tackle this enemy. But God has given you a clear command, do not count. Because sometimes when you look at the details, we become anxious and worried. And the worriness or anxiety often is a sign of like, God, I'm not sure if you're going to take care of me at this stage. And therefore, that is why God says constantly, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not stress. We have everything that we need. Because why we have God who created everything. All authority is he made us. He made everything. He knows what, he, what we need. All we have to do is we have to do what he has called us to do. And he will take care of the rest. Last point. I'm so all over this, but <laughs> all right. Uh, so there is a mission, and there is a message, but. If we don't have a proper motivation, the message is destructive. I'm going to repeat it. There is a mission and a message, but without a proper motivation, the message is destructive. And sometimes the message is not going to be helpful to that person. So if we look at... Um, Verse 17, sorry. Verse 17 says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subjected to us in your name. That's quite interesting, right? That's, that's the kind of response. And it's interesting, Jesus immediately, he said, I saw Satan falling from heaven why such a random thing when we came back so excited from this mission trip the by the fact that even the demons are subject to us and jesus immediately said i saw satan falling from the sky like lightning what is he trying to communicate to them I said um, earlier on, as disciples, we are given a message. Every disciple is given a message to publicly communicate and, and engage everyone to believe it. What I did not touch there is 
the biggest issue we have in our society that we live in, which most people often say, it's okay for you Christians to, to believe in Jesus and to have this joy and excitement, but it's not okay to convict others and tell others to believe that too. Especially in our country where we have all sorts of religions. Well, no, it's not your job to convict me. You should just let me be and I will deal. Mind your own religion and I will mind my own religion. Don't claim your religion that is much better than mine. And so you don't have a right to tell other people to believe yours if you... And that's, that's the biggest issue if for us as Christians who claim to have a message of the kingdom. Because what do we say in public space about what we believe? Should we just say, okay, I'm not going to co- tell them? Or what, what should we say? How do we deal with this issue? I think because most people have attributed uh, have said to have led to a point of saying it's because the the reason why the world is like this is because of all the religions and the radical people who are so religious trying to convert other people and doing it all wrong and so just scrap the whole thing of church and everything it's just wrong it is not okay to convict other people believing making them to believe what you believe And what do we do with that when we go out on a mission with the message? I I believe what Jesus is going to address here is that it all has to do with your motivation. It all has to do with our motivation. What is actually motivating us to go out there and proclaim this message? And I find it very inconsistent if, because it's very impossible. I, and I always ask this question to people who always complain about me sharing my faith to them. I'm like, let's say, for example, you have a cure for any sickness in this world. And you were sick and you have experienced this cure and you know how it works. Would it be fair? to you to keep it to yourself and not tell anyone about it. It will probably be unfair. It will be the most cruel thing one person would do where knowing that everyone is dying, but you are silently because you believe that, no, it's not my job to tell people, to convict people that uh, there is this cure, so I'm just going to keep it to myself and until they become convinced that I can help them. No, it's impossible. So we can, we as Christians, we have the cure that can heal everyone in this world. And that is Jesus. So it is impossible for us to keep quiet because even if we keep quiet, the Bible says the rocks will still speak. The nature will still proclaim the message. It might not be the way God, might not be maybe plan A or plan B, but I believe there is no plan B, right? That's what they say. <laughs> but the commission 
or the command will be fulfilled. Whether how, that's, that's in God's work. So I cannot be silenced knowing that I have a cure that will help my neighbor, that will help my brother. So either way we have to, but my point is our motivation. What drives us is the key thing. If, for example, in this passage we see the 72 came back, you would notice they came back so excited about that the spirits are subject to them rather than Wow, Jesus, we have helped people. They are healed. But they immediately come back and say, so excited, even the demons are subject to us. In other words, we are powerful. We have, we have something. There is something, there is something that we, we carry. And that's their joy and that's their excitement and that's what gives them this excitement is that we carry something. And Jesus said, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority. And he admits that, yes, I've given you authority to trade with serpents and scorpions and power over all enemies. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, but do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So don't rejoice that you have this power, but rejoice that your name are written in heaven. Now when we speak of names, I know for most people from a very traditional religious background, back in the days, names were very significant. And to have your name written down, it, mean, it meant that you were very, very special. Before we have papers, because it was very expensive to waste ink and write someone's name. So you have to be really something special for that person to take that ink of paper in this piece of paper and spill that ink over your name. So Jesus is using say, rejoice that your name are written in heaven. So he's basically saying, look at where your sense of significance is. It's not in helping people. It's not in me that, oh, I'm part of God's kingdom. Yes, I'm part of the 12. We are 72 and I'm part, of, I'm part of this. But they come back and say, wow, we are something. We are significant. But he's saying, he's pointing them and says, rejoice. Not that the spirit are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I know most people who are very traditional will say, you know, have this belief that uh, back on the judgment day, names will be written. So you will have your names 
written there with all the things that you have done. And if you have done well, you're going to say, come this side. And if you have done not so well, and your good deeds are not enough, they will say, then you go on the other side. But what's interesting here is that and people, that has, that has been like the drive of all religion, is that now we have to do something so that we can get our names written. But we as Christians, Jesus is like saying here, your names are already written. Your names are already in the book. In fact, you are significant already. Stop trying to find your wealth or yourself of being in things that are temporary, that will not last. And heaven is eternity. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In fact, rejoice that you are already accepted. Stop trying to seek acceptance in places that sometimes you're not welcome to. You already accept it. And sometimes if we if we engage in mission and we have a message and we believe that our self of significance is based on how people respond to what we do, then we're going to be in trouble to the people that reject our message. If I'm standing here and my main point of standing here is to make sure that you guys are so excited and they're like, yes, Sam, you're doing a great job. If you don't even say amen and my thing or my, my significance is based on Oh, to, for me to know whether I'm doing well is based on how you respond to this message, then I'm go, I might leave this room being hurt and be like, they didn't hear me. I'm going. Uh, they were all just silent looking at me. I used to preach in these places and they all stand up and preach with me and be like, yes, pastor, preach it. Preach. But now I come to his side, they all look at me and be like, I'm not doing a great job. I give up in this. If that myself, if, if myself or my identity is based on what other people think of me, then I'll, my heart will be broken. But at most of the time, we have to put ourselves in that space where of saying, you know what, I'm already accepted in the kingdom of God. Amen. And it doesn't matter what other people say nothing can stop me from my mission nothing can stop me from proclaiming this message because it's not based on what you think or what you're going to do but it's based on that God loves me I'm loved by God and that is why I'm doing this I'm not doing this because I want to be loved by people I'm doing this because I'm already accepted in the kingdom of God. And that's the gospel. 
That's what drives us, is that the fact that we are already in God's kingdom accepted. And because we have accepted, we're no longer going to do things seeking acceptance in different places. We're just going to do it because we, we love our Father. And it's a good thing. It's what the sons do. I love my father, my father already. I'm not going to doubt whether my father is my father because my father is my father. <laughs> if I doubt whether my father is my father, then yeah, I'm not going to do what my father is going to tell me because I'm not sure if my father is my father. <laughs> so so that, that's the thing. That's why that's our motivation is that we already accept it. And religion, religion tells us that to be accepted, you have to keep the certain rules. You have to follow certain protocols. You have to do certain things. And therefore, if those things, you did them correctly, then you will be accepted. And I'm, I come from a Zulu culture, which there are a lot of things that people are still doing today. Seeking acceptance from people who have gone dead while the relationship they have is broken but they're still trying to maintain relationship with people that have gone and they were not even in a relation in a good relationship while they're still alive and now that they have gone maybe they will spend money that they don't have doing a ceremony that they don't need to make someone happy that is not even there. <laughs> and when I, when I tell them this, I'm like, think about it. When he was still alive, he never even bought him a cake for his birthday. <laughs> but now that he's gone, you want him to buy him a cow. That's a big stretch. <laughs> and they think, they think I'm just, ah, you, 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 you are coconut. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm not coconut. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. You see what I'm talking about. It's the, it's, the, it's the truth. And it's not based on whether I'm coconut or not coconut. It's based on what I believe is the truth. And you know it's the truth. It's just that because your forefather has been doing this, you want to also do the same thing, even if you know it's not going to work. So we have a mission. We have a message. And our motivation is Jesus. Because he died, not just for us, but for everyone. And everyone needs to know what it took God to come on earth for them. Everyone needs to know how much God really, really loves them. And how much God has really, really has great things for them. And how much God really wants to set them free from whatever that they're going through. And I love the Bible when it says, We are God's workmanship created for 
good work, which means they are things that only you can do, that no one else can do. There are demons out there only you can cast. And there is a message out there that only you can speak. Because God created you for that particular message. And we all like a puzzle. Every piece is significant. Have you ever tried to, when you're almost finished with the puzzle, then you're like, each one piece is missing. It destroys everything that you have done, no matter how much hours it took you to put this 1,000 piece or 2,000 piece together. But if one thing is missing, it's like all that energy for just one piece that is not there. You're not going to be like, oh, at least I can see the face, but there's that corner one that is not there, so it doesn't, doesn't work anymore. So my point is that we are all significance. Every piece counts. We just have to go out there and play our part. And God has given you all power and all authority. So let's close with this declaration that says, I am a messenger with a mission, with a message, and a motivation. I am a messenger with a mission and a message and a motivation. Thank you.